0: Until then, we hope this message leads you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. Well, it's good to be together this morning. Uh, We need to be keeping in mind our friends over at BCC, Blackman Community Church. They showed up this morning uh, to set up for their services they normally do, and the trailer where all of their stuff is kept was gone. So all their sound equipment, video equipment, everything that they do need to do service was gone. It had been stolen. And so this morning, BCC is meeting in a rather unusual format to them. And uh, I talked to Pastor Wen and Nick, this morning, and he said that they're going to be able to figure it out. They're in the process of filing police reports and whatnot. But I tell you, it just... Uh, when things, when wrenches get thrown into the, the mix, uh, it just takes time and energy. And so let's be praying for our friends over there that uh, insurance would take care of the need and it would be done in a timely fashion and that they would not be out too much uh, time and inconvenience because uh, I know they love Jesus and uh, they just want to be able to worship him. So uh, let's be praying for them. Let's just pray from right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our friends over at BCC. Lord, we pray that as they gather today in a way that they uh, hadn't intended to, Lord, that you would meet with them as you always do. Help them realize uh, that they may not have their stuff, but they have you. And so I pray that even today your kingdom would come in part through what happens there at BCC. Be with Pastor Nick and the team over there and uh, help them as they just seek to expand your kingdom in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah, I've I've shown up to church on some Sunday mornings and we've had some inconveniences, but we always have had our sound equipment. We've always had our, our projectors and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so uh, let's just be, be remembering them. Um, you know, during the pandemic, it, it's been about a year, a little over a year. And uh, I was just talking to Mary Jane, I I, I said, um, or we were talking about how uh, this has just been a weird year. I think we can all agree to that. Um, We have had to learn to do things differently, and we have had to navigate roads not the way we wanted to, but the way we had to. And uh, we're starting to see faces come back, like Sarah said, and that's exciting. Uh, But it's also um, exciting to just think about developing those new rhythms as a church uh, that uh, kind of resemble what things used to be. But uh, I just think we need to make sure that we are looking forward to where God's leading us. And so as we do that, let's just, uh, let's just have our hearts open and ready for what God wants to do. But I remember when we first started uh, getting a sense that we might be closing down as a nation. Uh, do you remember your trips to the grocery store? They were crazy. Uh, People were scurrying around trying to make sure they had the stuff that they needed to survive uh, for the week that they were going to be out (laughs) Um, or maybe the two weeks. Little did we know how long it would actually be. I remember, um, do you remember, I mean, there were commercials about the toilet paper crisis. Everyone, I, I don't know why toilet paper was the thing, but everyone wanted to make sure they had toilet paper. And uh, some people uh, didn't, uh, which was interesting. But toilet paper was not the only thing flying off the shelves. Uh, I remember walking down aisles and things just being bare. Uh, You would would have thought that the apocalypse was happening and people were were just making sure that they had food to last them for a little bit. But there was one other thing that uh, was hard to find. And it was something uh, much less conspicuous than toilet paper. It was a lot smaller, but I remember going to the store looking for this and not being able to find it. Thinking, well, this is odd. It was yeast. Yeast was one of the main things that flew off the shelf, in part because people recognize, hey, we're going to be home. Uh, we know that bread only takes a few ingredients. And so people were buying up yeast because we knew that we couldn't buy enough loaves of bread to last us for however long this was going to be. So we wanted to be able to have the, the means to make bread. Bread's important. In our society, bread has always been important. Uh, all different kinds, no matter the culture, bread is important. And so people wanted to make sure that they had that ability. We learned to make bread during the pandemic. We have a friend who uh, we love to death, and she loves making bread. And every time we would visit their house, she would always have fresh, baked bread, was warm, smelled so good. You put some butter on there, and it just melts in your mouth. Anyone hungry? I am. Uh, But we learned to make bread, and we've had some fun with that, things that we've been able to do with it. But yeast was one of these things That was so important for us during the pandemic. And Jesus speaks about yeast. Jesus takes time to speak about yeast in several places. And in today's passage of Scripture, in the Gospel of Mark, we want to read about uh, what Jesus is talking about when it comes to the Pharisees and Herod. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 8. We're going to begin reading in verse 14. Uh, to verse 21 you can follow on the screens if you're online with us uh, hopefully you can grab a bible and follow along with us i'll be reading now the new living translation we read but the disciples had forgotten to bring any food which was a common problem for the disciples this was not the first time they found themselves without food for the need they had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat as they were crossing the lake jesus warned them watch out Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards? Twelve, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet? He asked them. (laughs) This is the word of God for the people of God. And we all say together, thank you, Jesus. You know, Jesus has this um, graciousness about him as he deals with, I think the theological term is boneheads. People who just don't seem to get it when they have all the evidence right there in front of them. People who have witnessed the miracles of God yet still don't get it. We can uh, accuse the disciples of this all day, every day. But let's not just be pointing the fingers at them. Someone once told me, when you point at someone, there's always three fingers pointing back at yourself. We need to make sure that we recognize that we can be the boneheads. We can be the people who should get it, who should know better. But oftentimes, the way we practically live our lives, it hasn't sunk in. They should have known that even with one loaf of bread, Jesus could feed the multitudes. Definitely, he could have fed those in the boat that day. But they worried. They stewed. They complained and they grumbled. Which sounds like maybe what we have done at times. The Pharisees had just asked for a sign that Jesus was the Messiah. The Pharisees are an odd bunch. They, I firmly believe that the Pharisees loved God with everything they knew. They were those people who were just ultra, like, let's get it done. Let's observe the rules. Let's follow the mandates. Let's make sure that we Dot every I and cross every T. They had been trying to put Jesus on the spot over and over and over again. And here was another one of those cases. Jesus was frustrated with them. Do you believe that Jesus can get frustrated? I do. Because as I read the scriptures, I find Jesus having... The emotions that you and I have every day. The biggest difference, though, is that Jesus knows how to make those emotions serve the kingdom. His emotions were not about him, they oftentimes were about others. For example, in the temple, when Jesus walked in one day and saw all the money changers and the people selling animals for the sacrifice, Jesus was furious. And this is why Jesus was furious. He was furious because God's house was supposed to be a house of prayer, not a marketplace. And if you dig a little deeper into that passage of Scripture, you find that what was happening was people, pilgrims, were coming to Jerusalem to make their offerings and their sacrifices at the temple. Well, when you make a long trip like that, you you can't bring the supplies that you need with you. You're not going to haul all these animals, and so you have to buy them. So you have this marketplace in the temple by which people recognize there is a need, they have the supply, and they're going to make a buck off of this. It wasn't about prayer. It wasn't even about worship. What had happened in that place well, it was about taking advantage of those who were in need. Jesus knew how to be frustrated. And in this case, I think he did something that we all need to understand is sometimes we need to take a timeout. Uh, parents and kids, sometimes you need to take a timeout from each other. Uh, husbands and wives, sometimes you need to take a timeout. Uh, n- sometimes we need to take timeouts from our neighbors and other family members, right? Because we're just about to lose our minds. And sometimes we need to take a timeout. And Jesus hopped in the boat and he set off for the opposite shore. And it was in the boat on the Sea of Galilee that our story takes place. And this should be ringing all sorts of bells for you because it was on this body of water that Jesus did some amazing works. It was on this body of water in transit from one side to the other. A storm rose up and Jesus was asleep in the bow of the boat every all the disciples again this seems to be a recurring theme they they didn't know what was going to happen they felt they were going to die forgetting that jesus was in the boat they woke him up and jesus calmed the storm it was on this sea that jesus uh walked out to the boat in the midst of a storm after they had been straying for hours at the ro- at the oars trying to get and fight the 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 storm Jesus had observed this, and so he, he walked, and the scripture says, and it was as though he was going to walk on by. But he walked close enough to, re, to help them realize that he was there, and so they called out. Jesus teaches amazing things in the midst of some of our hardest situations of life. Some of you have had those moments. You recognize that it is a uh, challenging Uh, You just want Jesus to get rid of the hard times. But I I just want to say this to us, church, Whether whether you are here or online, I think we need to learn how to praise God in the midst of our troubled times. Sometimes we need to actually thank God that life is rough because it's in those moments that we learn the best lessons of life. It's in those moments where we press in on God we recognize that in those moments, we've got to have God. See, when things are easy, we rec- we, we're like, well, um, if I have time for God, I'll give him my attention. But when push comes to shove, and we've got very little left, we cling to the only thing that we have hope, and that is Jesus. So Jesus taught some of his best lessons to those closest to him on this body of water, um, we need to give thanks in the midst of trouble. We need to recognize that God is up to something. And oftentimes what God is up to is not necessarily what you want God to be up to, but God is up to what God knows you need. Whenever we encounter bread in the gospels, we are encountering the grace of God extended to humanity. Uh, Whether it's the feeding stories where Jesus actually uh, met a physical hunger or whether it was the Last Supper where Jesus met not necessarily a physical hunger because they had already eaten, they'd already feasted, but Jesus in breaking bread at the end of the Last Supper offered uh, nourishment for the spiritual need that the uh, the disciples had. While the first feeding centered around, you know, uh, Jesus' meaning, physical hunger, the, the latter, the spiritual hunger in life, Jesus does something about both our physical and our spiritual. And I also want to say this. I think God also does something about our mental, our emotional, our relational, God has something very practical to do do in the midst of those. I have just had the privilege of teaching a course up at Trevecca on pastoral care and counseling. It helped me remember and realize that we live, we humans live in a broken world. And if we were to be honest this morning about all of the things that we carry around with us, that affect us deeply, we would go on for hours upon hours and upon hours of telling our stories. It's not just in the biblical narrative that God does these things, meeting physical and and spiritual needs. It's true of us even today. The abundant, transformative grace of God is being offered to all. Not just those who show up in a church's building but those who have never walked through the building doors. Jesus' grace is being offered to people that you and I probably wouldn't be very comfortable associating with, but Jesus has no problem embracing. I want us to be very careful with something this morning because there is a tendency today to get something way out of context, and it is this. Just because we love someone does not necessarily mean that we approve of them, of what they do, of what they think, of what they believe. God loves and offers grace to all, but that doesn't mean he's just simply going to overlook the things in their life that are drawing them away from him. We need to be clear about that. Here at Real Life, we need to understand that God is clear on what... what, what he desires of us when it comes to living a life of holiness. God is very clear with that. But he's also very clear with the fact that we are a people who are to go to all nations. And that doesn't doesn't just mean going to all countries. It means going to all kinds of people. And if we aren't building bridges with those whose lives are broken and hurting and agonizing... Who are they going to go to when they finally realize that they need Jesus? What bridge are they going to cross? Are they going to go to the people who have shunned them and pushed them away? Or are they going to go to the people who they know, you know, what, I know they didn't agree with me, but they loved me. They were there for me. Their doors were open to me. Their arms were wide open to me. We need to understand that the abundant, transformative grace of God is being offered to all. This is foundational to the good news of Jesus. Sadly, there are those who would reject this grace of God. But that doesn't prevent God from offering it. And neither should it hinder us from offering that which God has given to us. We should be so ready to get out there and pass it along. In the middle of this passage, Jesus gives us a warning. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. Let's talk about this for a moment. Yeast is small. It doesn't take much to saturate uh, that which it's a part of. If you, uh, if you put just a, a little bit of yeast uh, in flour and water and put it in the right temperature, in the right environment, it just kind of blossoms and grows and thrives. The Pharisees and Herod doubted who Jesus was. You might actually be able to go one further and say they absolutely disagreed with who Jesus claimed he was. Their doubt, uh, the language that they were using, the actions that they were doing were causing people to begin doubting who Jesus was. The yeast of the Pharisees and Herod was just that, calling into question who Jesus was. The Pharisees knew all the rules, but missed the point behind them all. The transformative power of holiness had been reduced to the observance of rituals rather than the power to break the power of sin in the lives of people like you and I. People then and now and everywhere in between. God's grace, God's undeserved favor towards us is far more abundant than you or I have the words to describe. We may not understand it, we like it, but we may not understand how it works. That's why I'm glad God does. I may not, but God does. Far more than any Pharisee could comprehend, their box was way too small for the God they served. It was so small, in fact, that they actually had little to no room to worship the God who was looking them in the face. They didn't recognize him how often is that true of us today? We know the things that we're used to. And if, if we feel if we just kind of, if we just keep doing those, we're going to be fine until God shows up and tries to do a new thing among us. And we're like, well, that doesn't fit into my box. And Jesus says, I want to give you a new box. I want to transform your comprehension of what I want to do. This grace has never been about overlooking anything. Hear me say that again. Hear me closely. Grace has never been about overlooking anything or giving anyone a pass. In fact, grace is just the opposite. This grace has always been about the power to transform the deepest and darkest brokenness. The yeast of the Pharisees and Herod was causing people to doubt what God wanted to do for not just them, but for all of humanity. It was this yeast that turned the people from celebrating Jesus on one on a Sunday to calling for his crucifixion by Friday. That yeast, so small, so insignificant, has the power to stir up people in all the wrong ways. What does that look like for us today? What does the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod look like in our lives today? In what ways do we see society, do we see Christians, do we see people who follow Jesus calling into question that Jesus might be able to do something beyond our comprehension, therefore causing people to doubt whether or not God is even real. One of my greatest pains from this class that I just taught is how many of our college generation right now have been devastated in some way, shape, or form by the way the church has functioned. Now, that's an easy statement to say. There's all sorts of things that need to be unpacked there. But can I just tell you, church, we have a generation of young people in college today who have all but walked away from God. Because the God that they have seen, they have seen in the people who claim his name. But yet, don't quite act like the God that they claim. This yeast shows up today when people, for whatever the reason, cause people to doubt the power of God that can be unleashed in their lives right there in the midst of their problem. Whenever we, the church, undermine the power of God because of the way we have turned faith into ritual, we cause people to turn from God. When what they're turning from isn't God at all, but the cheap imitation, a cheap idol created by people like you and I. When people have a problem with God today, what they really have a problem with is our cheap imitation of the abundant grace of God that shows, that works, that reveals miracles, multiplying bread to feed our bodies, but also to feed our souls. People today don't have a language, they don't have a frame of reference for the miracles that God wants to do in their life today. What I love about us here at Real Life is that we recognize that God wants to do far more in people than they could ever hope for or imagine. They don't even know what to ask for. Too often, people come to understand God through a lens of scarcity rather than a lens of abundance. We give the image and the understanding that God has only a very limited source of resources for us when that is so far from the truth. God is a God of abundance, starting with abundant grace, love. God has the resources to meet our needs. He has the resources to heal our bodies. He has the resources to reconcile relationships. He has the resources because he is an abundant God. We here at Real Life understand that real life can be dark. But no amount of darkness is too powerful for the light of God to overcome it. Um, I've been a part of many different churches with many different kinds of buildings. Uh, Several of them have had no windows in the sanctuary, much like ours. And it's easy to make the room really, really dark um i've also been a part of churches with lots and lots of windows and it's really hard to make it dark both have great messages to speak to us because i like it when you can make a room completely dark there's no outside light and then all of a sudden all it takes is a candlelight to dispel the darkness we here at real life recognize that even though life may be dark life may be stuck in darkness we know that the light of christ all it takes is a little bit and we want to be that church who is that light even a little bit of light in people's life but at real life we understand that that's not the end we understand that um you know if if, if real life is all about darkness and that's where it ends that would be tragic But we understand the other side of that real life is the real life that God has to offer us. And it's a life of holiness where God takes the darkness, exposes it for what it is, and completely consumes it. This room, in some way, shape, or form, defines us. But we recognize, please, we recognize that this room is is not us, right? We are the church, the people. We are the church. It's not the building. It's the people. We recognize that God wants to use us to dispel the darkness all around us. This kind of real life that we are all about here is a real life that, that we can call eternal life if you want. But when I say eternal life, I do not just mean a temporal thing, like it starts now and it's gonna last forever. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. Eternal life also speaks of um, measure, fullness. Um, it speaks of not just small, uh, it speaks of huge, large. It's, it's a scope type of a thing. And so when we talk about eternal life, yes, it starts now and goes into eternity, but it also looks like us today living in the fullness of eternal life that has the power to deal with the junk in our life, our longings, our aches, our pains. Real life is all about doing something about the brokenness and darkness of life. In yours, in your spouse's, in your kid's, in your neighbors, in your communities, my heart hurt this week. Um, uh, Sydney uh, Bloom broke her arm, and uh, she was in the hospital to get that taken care of. And Jamie was messaging us, and he's and, and uh, the the emergency room was in lockdown because there had been a shooting uh, down on the square this this weekend. Um. That shooting turned fatal. Um, There were two people uh, who were shot. One was grazed. One was shot and ended up dying. But that wasn't the end of the of of the darkness that night. There was a car chase um, where the 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 person led the police on a chase throughout our community, and there were four accidents that resulted because of that. Um, Folks, we live in darkness but we're not going to settle for it. We're not going to settle for the darkness that is all around us. We at Real Life are going to be that church who is all about taking the light out there. We need to recognize that. We are not always going to agree with the people who enter our gatherings. Can we just call that I, I I look forward to people who walk through the door that don't agree with us. Pastor, are you sure? Yes. That's who real life is. Um, we're going we're to look forward to the people who come in with all sorts of baggage and you're like, but pastor, that's messy. Yes. That's what real life is going to be about. We're going to be about getting our hands dirty. We're going to we're, we're going to be serious about um, allowing our hearts to hurt. Um, we're going to be that church that is all about being inconvenienced. All for the sake of the gospel. We will do our best to let God break us as he does bread so that those who are hungry in body and soul will find nourishment that only God can offer. Every month when we gather around the table and bread is broken, we need to be remembering that that is us being broken for the world around us. We're not going to be about the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod. We're not going to cast doubt in people's lives because of the way we live our lives, uh, because of the things that we say, the things that we do. We're going to be that people, bread-breaking people who meet the deep-seated needs in in people. Uh, It seems like things are opening up. Uh, And we're going to celebrate that for right now. Because what that means is uh, people are going to be more likely to walk through those doors out there and find a place here. But I've got to ask you something, church. Will you have your eyes open? Not just in this space, but in the places you live and work and play. Will you keep your eyes open? the people that God brings our way it is not enough for your pastoral staff to take care of the needs of people it is all of our jobs and if anything our job as your pastoral staff is to equip you to be broken bread in our world today I want us to pray together I want us to stand and I've got four questions to ask you Your answer to these four questions will determine how you are going to end this service in prayer. Question one Have you received God's broken body and shed blood for your forgiveness? Have you said, God, I choose you in my life? Not just in word, but in deed. Have you ever recognized the error of your ways and said, God, I am sorry, and I lay my life in your hands. Two, are you willing to be broken today for the sake of those who are broken? Three, are you willing to turn your brokenness over to Jesus today so that he might be able to transform your heart, soul, mind, body. Four. Are you willing to confess the ways that you have been yeast that has turned people from God? Four very dangerous prayers. But here at Real Life, we're going to be all about dangerous praying. Because we want to bring heaven and earth together. So bow your heads and Bow your lives before God in this moment. Take a moment and think, how should I respond to the words of God today? What is my prayer? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would point out in our lives what our prayer should be. Lord, I pray that you would um, not let us off the hook. Don't let us leave today and just kind of go back to life as normal. God, I pray that you would stir us here at Real Life to be broken bread in this community. God, I pray that you would um, form us and shape us. You would stretch us. You would call out things in our life that are just not pleasing to you, things that are causing uh, others to just doubt you and and turn from you god i pray that we would be the people who are authentic through and through even in our dysfunction might we be able to own that may we not hide behind facades may our boxes for you be non-existent may we let you be you and may we be your hands and feet God, I pray that you would just wrestle with us until we we have been transformed. Till our life looks less like us and more like you. God, I pray that you would help us live the holy life and that that would transform lives. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Church, may you find yourself... I'm going to apologize ahead of time for what I'm about to pray because I realize what might happen in your life this week. So I already, I'm sorry, but not really. Um, may you find yourself broken for the things of God this week and in your brokenness might you find God extending grace through you to a world in desperate need of it until we meet again be broken thank you for joining us today We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you would like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org. Thanks again for listening.